Is Martin Zubimendi the midfielder for Arsenal? Barcelona eye up Gabriel Martinelli. What would they need to sell to make that happen? 10% of the Spotify camp new. Kieran Tierney's refreshingly honest interview. And we're going to take your questions from the live chat, all on this live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the show. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Thank you for joining me on this Thursday evening. If you're listening to us in podcast format, it's probably Friday morning. So happy Friday uh, to you guys as well. We've got lots and lots to get through as always. We're going to, as I say, uh, talk Martin Zubimendi because my Valentine's night was spent on a Martin Zubimendi scouting mission. Family emergency came up. My wife needed to to go out somewhere. Um, so I sat on the couch by myself and watched, I don't want to say both games because I feel kind of disingenuous saying that because when you try and do the whole split screen thing, you know, you don't watch both game with the same level of detail and attention. But most of my focus was on that game between Paris Saint-Germain and La Real, Real Sociedad because of the Martin Zubimendi links. And I'm someone that's been quite big on him, quite positive about him. And I've talked repeatedly about how I think he'd be quite a good fit for Arsenal and a good signing and somebody that we should maybe be looking to go after in the summer when you factor in his release clause as well, which is a reasonable amount of money this day and age. It makes a lot of sense. I'm not saying that Arsenal shouldn't go for him, but after watching him last night in a lot of detail, I do have some doubts. And I do have some questions, which we'll come on to in a little bit. Uh, we're going to start off, though, by discussing Kieran Tierney, who I thought gave a really, really refreshing interview to the Daily Mail. Now, of course, he's uh, been talking about how uh, life is going for him in San Sebastian uh, with Real Sociedad. He kind of sort of hinted, I guess, that his Arsenal career is over. He didn't go as far as saying that. We'll come on to what he actually said in a moment. but. The comments that he made led me to think that, you know, this whole situation, this relationship with Arsenal and Kieran Tierney is only going in one way and in one direction, which is a shame, really, because I think we can all agree that Kieran Tierney is a really good footballer, a really good guy, a really good character, all the rest of it. And it just feels like the team has evolved past him and he hasn't been able to keep up, not because he's not a good footballer, just because his particular skill set probably isn't transferable as you know into the role that Mikel Arteta now wants the left back to fulfill. And we'll get on to Kirantini's comments about that in just a mo as well. Let me say a few uh, hellos because there are a fair few of you uh, tuned in with us live right now at HFN. We've got Goon Gang, we've got Tom, uh, we've got Amira. Evan is with us as well. The Sasky Gooner uh, says he is booked to come to London. 
staying in the Islington Hilton from the 6th to the 14th. Brentford and Porto, um, he is coming over uh, for those games. Brilliant stuff, mate. Um, hopefully get to catch you uh, down at the Emirates. Uh, it'll be great. Um, big hello to Salah Hadeen, to Jid, uh, to uh, Harv Reynolds, who's with us as well. We've got loads of you uh, joining us uh, in the live chat, which is, of course, always great to see. Don't forget, by the way, to leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new. And if you're listening to us on an audio platform, well, then please do leave us a review as well. That really, really does help. But as I was saying, back to Kieran Tierney, because he, as I say, gave an in-depth interview to the Daily Mail. And that normally when I read interviews from players that have been sent out on loan because maybe they were deemed kind of surplus to requirement at the club that they're currently at, what you normally, or, or the club that they're owned by, essentially, what you normally get is a bit of bitterness, a bit of, you know, well, it's not nothing to do with me that I find myself here. They obviously um, don't appreciate what it is that I bring to the table. You kind of get that sort of vibe from players who have been told more often than not by a manager that they're not quite what he's looking for in a certain area. And actually the doors open, feel free to go and move. And I talked about this loan deal before and how I think it benefits both sides for what it's worth. And I don't mean this in a negative way. I'm not throwing shade at Kirantini, but he is injured again, which obviously, um, you know, means that had he remained at Arsenal, which is what a lot of people were, were calling for in the summer, we'd be without him anyway. So, you know, that's something to factor in. But I think this is a win-win situation, this loan deal for Arsenal, because if Kieran Tierney performs at La Real, makes a good impression, perhaps in the summer transfer window, they'll make an offer for him. If they don't, but he's performed, then the chances are and the likelihood is that somebody else has spotted and noticed his good performances over in Spain and will come and make an offer themselves. That's why for us, it's it's win-win because either you get the money in for Kirantini or if you do a bit of a U-turn, which I don't think we will, but if you do, then you're bringing back a player who's been playing, who's maintained his fitness levels, albeit he's injured, I know, ironic, but you know what I'm trying to go with this. And you've got a player that's ready to play and that's been competing over the last year. So you stand to gain from this loan deal, regardless of how it ends, um, rather than, it going the other way. You know, you've got to be really, really unlucky for it to go the other way, i.e. Kirantini's injury problems have to continue and maybe worsen. And that might get you to a point where clubs are looking at him a little bit more reluctantly than they would have done previously. But he spoke to the Daily Mail and, and I thought that this was a really open and honest interview. He was asked about the situation at Arsenal and he said, at Arsenal, the left-back can be one of the most central players in the team. If it's Alexander Zinchenko, then he's one of the biggest creators from a central position. When that got introduced, it was alien to me. I had never played centre midfield. I started as a winger. I was trying to learn that when I was at Arsenal. When you see how well it works, it is really hard to question it. My choice was just to get on with it and learn, and I got to practice it with one of the best. It's so natural to Zinchenko, he makes it look so easy. It's, he was obviously asked about his future as well. And he said, you know, it's hard to say whether I'll be going back. I loved my time there and I still have two years on the contract. I'm very grateful to Arsenal. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm absolutely loving it here at Real Sociedad. I feel I've adapted quite well and I hope I can return the faith the club have shown 
this is a very, very talented squad um, with world-class players. And so many have come from the academy. It's an amazing story. So what do you take from that? No bitterness, no excuses, none of this. Oh, the manager just didn't appreciate what I bring to the table. Blah, blah, blah. The manager's wrong. He's looked at it and he's gone, shit, playing with an inverted fullback, it really does work. In fact, it works really well. And when you look at how Arsenal have improved from the start of last season to now, you can't argue with it, can you? And you, what you can argue that it, there's been certain games where we've played more conventional defenders at left back. And yeah, that's made us maybe more defensively sturdy. But then when we haven't had a Jorginho, for example, in the midfield alongside a Rice, for example, we've not been able to progress the ball as well at times. And and then the, the hole that is left by Zinchenko can get noticed. I know a lot of people have kind of got to this point with Zinchenko where they're just like fed up now. They're like, well, defensively, he's a bit of a liability. And add to that, that he's injured quite a bit. Actually, maybe it's time that we move past this guy. And I think there's, you know, and I, I, listen, I'm one of those people that defensively doesn't think he's up to the standard. But at the same time, sometimes I kind of check myself and I sit there and I think to myself, I'm being hugely disrespectful to a player who's been a big contributing factor in why we are in a much better position than we were two years ago. So you need to put a bit of respect on Zinchenko's name in that sense. He's been a big part of us lifting the overall level. But that doesn't mean he hasn't got shortcomings and shortfalls in his game. Tierney could easily say, look, it's not my game. That's why I'm not suited to it. Instead, no. He makes sure he goes out of his way to point out that he recognises that this for Arsenal works really, really well. There's clearly no bitterness towards Mikel Arteta for making that tactical tweak and tactical shift. And he recognises, I think, reading these comments, that he is well aware of the fact that his skill set does not complement that particular role. And it feels to me like he's kind of made peace with the fact that this is just a tactical evolution and he missed the bus like that, that. That's that's what this tells me. And it is actually nice to read, not because I want to hear Kieran Tierney say that he found himself kind of out of his depth a little bit when trying to adapt to a very particular role. But because it shows you what kind of guy he is, that he's humble, that he's realistic, that he's intelligent as well. Um, and that there isn't any bitterness there. And that's why I think. You know, when when Arsenal fans have been kind of up in arms this season at points when we've been short at left back about the decision to loan him out, I think we were at a point where it, it kind of had to happen, whether you like it or not, not just from Arsenal's side, but from Kieran Tierney's side as well. And when I read this and I listen to him speak as eloquently as he does here, I do think to myself that, yeah, you know, this this was the best best solution for, for all parties involved. And look, as I say, we either bring him back and he can contribute to Arsenal's success, hopefully in the future, or we can move him on. We can get a fee in for him and a club where he will fit in, where the game plan is a little bit different, where the star was more suited to his skill set, we'll pick him up and he can continue to have a very, very good football career. Does Kieran Tierney have a future at Arsenal? Let me know your thoughts in the live chat. I'll come over to those in just a second. We've got a few more of you joining us in the live chat. Patrick Tembo is joining us from Zambia. Tom joins us from the Milan airport before heading back to London. Um, 
Tom also goes, Tom also goes on to kind of speak tonight. Zinni is nowhere near as bad a defender as people say. We play better with him overall. I think in a game where we're going to have a lot of the ball, which is most games, to be fair, which is why he gets picked when he's fit most of the time. Um, I think you're right. I think he does bring a lot in that sense. And as I mentioned, when we were talking about the Liverpool game and he sort of was, you know, going back to that Liverpool game, when he was in a position where he was asked to kind of stay more um, more rigid in terms of the shapes he was taking up, I think it, it worked quite well. Um, and I think that for me, you know, he had a smaller space to cover. He had a smaller area to focus on. I'm talking about in the defensive phase of play. And he was able to deal with that. A lot of the time when he gets caught up the pitch, he gets caught in field, which means it's an awful long way to get back into that left-back position. But that's because he's following and carrying out the manager's instructions. So it's kind of hard sometimes, isn't it, to, to make sure that you process the fact that a lot of where he finds himself when we're caught in possession and all that is because of an instruction from the management. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Tom also says we kind of need to set up knowing um, knowing that he will, you know, have balls dropped over the top of him. I agree with that. Uh, Jean says uh, if White gets more and more comfortable with inverting and he was excellent against West Ham, agree. I see no reason why Tierney can't work well for us, but I doubt Tierney will want to stay. I think that's a good point because Tierney, I think, is quite comfortable at tucking in as a centre-back. And I think he can tuck in as the third centre-back, allowing White to step into midfield. And then you've got a back three, essentially, um, in the turnover of Tierney, Saliba and Gabriel. And I don't think he's anywhere near as physical as those two. But he's tucked in at centre-back many, many times in his career, Kieran Tierney. He's played there a lot for Scotland as part of a back three. And I think he's always looked really, really comfortable. So, yeah, I don't disagree with that. But I think we're at the point now where Kieran Tierney probably looks at it and realises that he doesn't really have a future at Arsenal. And I don't think Arsenal will want to persist with Kieran Tierney, to be honest, moving forward. So I think it is one of those where the best thing for everybody is just to part ways. It's a shame because I really like the guy and this interview made me like him more. But um, it, it just feels like a relationship that naturally is going to come to its end uh, this summer, one way or the other. Okay, we're going to talk Gabriel Martinelli after the break. And after that, we're going to talk Martin Zubimendi. The res results are in, the report's in from my scouting mission, however you want to put it. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Don't go anywhere. According to a Spanish media outlet, not Fischajes, whom I uh, wasn't very complimentary of uh, on yesterday's podcast, Barcelona are interested in Gabriel Martinelli. What would they have to sell to make that happen? The Camp Nou? Um, they might admire him, but look, there's no way they'd be able to make the kind of offer um, in the realm of what Arsenal would be looking for, for the player. Arsenal are at a higher level um, than, than Barcelona. I think that's clear to see. That's the reality at the moment. Perhaps one day he'll consider a move abroad, but I think his story with Arsenal is just nowhere near its conclusion. So we're not going to spend too much time on this. We're going to get this rumour and we're going to sweep it straight into the dustbin. Gabriel Martinelli is going nowhere. These Spanish media outlets, they're having a mare of a week, aren't they? <laughs> okay, on to our main topic for today's show. Before we dive into it, if you haven't done so already, leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new, if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review as well. It really, really does help. But I want to talk 
Martin Zubimendi. This is a player that's been heavily linked with Arsenal for a long time now. We've heard over and over again that he's somebody that Mikel Arteta admires and that so, and he, that he's somebody that Mikel Arteta would quite like to bring into the club uh, come the summer. We thought it was something Arsenal might try and do going into January of this year, but then as the window kind of came around, we realised that the PSR stuff was going to be a problem and that looked very, very unlikely. We know that Martin Zubimendi has a release clause of around about, if my information is correct, 50-odd million euros which means he's attainable, right? He's somebody that is realistic in terms of what we can and can't afford. I sat down last night to watch Paris Saint-Germain versus La Real and had a really good look at Martin Zubimendi. I was almost doing my own kind of player cam. There were times where I was missing what was happening on the ball. Every time he was in shot, Martin Zubimendi, I was watching him like a hawk because I'd seen a few games in which he'd played before. I've read loads of articles about him. I've watched loads of videos of him. I've listened to the experts um, with regards to, you know, what what exactly is so good about him, why he's such an exciting talent. We've heard that Barcelona won him. We've heard that Bayern Munich uh, are even interested in Martin Zubimendi as well. This was the first time, though, that I sat down and watched a 90-minute game with the sole intention of studying Martin Zubimendi. And I was convinced that he was the one going into the game. And now I'm not so sure. And I'll I'll explain why, because it's unfair for me to kind of just throw that out there and not really provide any context or any explanation as to why I feel this way. But when I looked at Zubimendi yesterday, I saw somebody who at times was left to be the midfield alone. That's part of Lareal's aggressive pressing style. What that does is it means that the midfielders get up and make that second wave of press um, alongside the forwards. And very, very often, Martin Zubimendi is the one-man buffer between the midfield and the defence. And on the transition, that can be a problem. And he did lose the ball once in the first half really kind of casually facing his own goal. And it resulted in a PSG counter-attack and uh, Kylian Mbappe forced to save out of the goalkeeper down to his right. And I looked at that and I thought, that's not good, but it is an isolated incident. I didn't see him cause his own team too many problems last night. Not that that's, that's a sign of a great player. Oh, well, he didn't cause you any problems today. So he's he's fine. He's great. Uh, you know, you want to see more than that, don't you? When I look at Zubimendi, I get Jorginho vibes. Now, I'll explain why. I think he's intelligent. I think he's technically very sound. I think he's clearly a leader. I think he packs a bit more in the challenge, I'd say, than the Italian. But looking at the risks that Lareal take when they press and then thinking about the risks that we would probably take if he was in our midfield because of the way that we play, he just seemed a little bit exposed. Now, I guess the question is, would having Saliba, Gabriel, Rice, etc. around him make him look a lot better? Probably, but I don't have the same confidence in someone. Um, you know, I don't have the same confidence in Zubimendi that I would in someone like Rice um, or Partey if they were playing as a single defensive midfielder. So the only way Martin Zubimendi fits into the midfield for me 
is if he plays alongside someone who's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, a lot quicker across the ground. Now, I think Zubimendi is tenacious in his own right. I'm not saying that he's a soft touch or a pushover, but it reminds me a bit of Lucas Torreira. When we looked at him in Serie A and we went, he snaps at people's heels all the time. He's aggressive. He's always on the front foot, et cetera, et cetera. But then when we brought him to the Premier League, he looked lost physically because the level of physicality required just to shot through the roof in comparison. And so I worry that that would be the same with Zubimendi coming here. I think with the right structure around him, he can work. I think with the right structure around him, you almost bring out the good points, the, the technical ability, the, the reading of the game, the spaces in which he drops into, the ability to break lines. All of that then, of course, comes to the fore, and that's great. But then, you know, you're relying on others being around him. So then the question becomes, what is the specific role that you'd be bringing Martin Zubimendi into play? If you'd be bringing him in as the six, I don't think he's the answer for Arsenal. If you're going to be bringing him in as a eight or as someone who kind of plays a little bit in between, like we saw Jorginho do against Liverpool, then maybe it can work. But I think Mikel Arteta and Arsenal need to think, and I'm sure they have, but they'll need to be clear in their own minds of exactly what the role is that Zubimendi will be coming in to do. Because I don't think he's got all of the physical attributes to be able to live with the higher intensity, with the pace of the game, with the 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 sort of rough and tumble of the Premier League. I have no doubts about the technical stuff, but we've seen in the Premier League before that just having the technical stuff alone when you want to be right at the top level isn't enough. I think he's a really, really good player. I, I really, really do. I'm just not sure that he's suited to what we're building. He could do a Jorginho role, as I keep saying, but that feels like something we're only going to go for once in a blue moon. So, when it comes to the discussion around whether or not Martin Zubimendi is the midfielder for Arsenal, I'm not sure that he's the man for us. I have to say I'm a little bit conflicted at the moment. Now, I'm going to make a conscious effort to watch more of him between now and the end of the season because I think it's important that I do that. And perhaps I'm being a little bit knee-jerk off the back of watching one game against Paris Saint-Germain last night. For what it's worth, I thought La Real were... were Good value for at least a draw last night. Obviously, they didn't get that. It was very much a game of two halves. They their level dropped in the second half, but I, in the second half, but I think PSG upped it quite a bit as well. But yeah, when it comes to whether or not he's the right guy, I'm a little bit conflicted. I have to say that. Let me know what you guys think in the comments. We'll go over to the comments for the last section of the show to so start getting involved. Okay. Let's see what you guys are saying first on Zubimendi and on anything else that you want to have uh, a chat about. Start getting your comments in. Um, what else have we got? Just reading through. Um, Brian says, I did the same thing. Watched Zubi closely and I'm still to be convinced if he's the one. Uh, Tony says, signed a young from Barca for the same price. Um, the Sasuke Guna highlights Kefren Turam. I haven't seen enough of him to be able to tell. I'm not big on French football, so I know you are, Moss, because I know you you very often come up with names from Liga. Um, and I, I'll trust you on that, that he's a he'd be a good fit. 
Ian Wallace on Zuby Mendy says, I guess it depends if Rice is the six or the eight. If Rice hangs back, then Zuby can press more, maybe. Yeah, if he's if he'd be coming in as an eight, I'm all for it. But he doesn't really play as an eight now. And that's why I'm kind of struggling to see the vision a little bit. It's going to be one of those situations where you're bringing someone in who's been playing one role and you've you've maybe identified something you think can make them well-suited to another role, but that transition has to be managed by you. So essentially, you wouldn't be signing the finished article. As, a, as an eight, you'd be signing a project and someone that you need to turn into an eight over time. Uh, Tudor Rocket says, I think we don't need a new six because with Rice in the position, we are secured when attacking or defending. Rather, we got a good left eight like Douglas Luiz. Now, yeah, that's a whole nother discussion, like whether you think an eight should be the priority or not, or whether you think that actually Declan Rice, you know, can do the six job. I, I agree with you that Rice is, is great as a six because he has the ability to do both sides of the game. And when you look at that, and you look at what Thomas Partey can do when fit, if ever fit again. Um, but you know where I'm going with this. Both of those players can offer you something in an attacking sense and in a defensive sense. Zubimendi offers Lareal something defensively. But will he be able to make that work in the same way in the Premier League with Arsenal? That's the bit that I question. Um, M says Zubimendi and Sociedad as a whole had an unflattering performance last night. However, Zubimendi works best as a deep-lying build-up orchestrator with some defensive deficiencies. Yeah, but this is the point. In the Premier League at the very top level, you can't afford to have your deep-lying player someone that being someone that has defensive deficiencies. You need to be well-versed and, and well-rehearsed in all of those areas, and, and that's, that's why it's so difficult to find these types of players. What else have we got? Um... Amira says, do you think that the parts of his game that you're questioning are things that Arteta specifically can coach? I mean, I think, yeah, like I, I would never sit here and say that a, like it's impossible for a player to adapt, especially someone as talented and as intelligent as Martin Zubimendi. But my biggest concern is about his build. And is about his mobility. All the same concerns that I had about Jorginho, that I still have about Jorginho, but I think we've done a really good job under Mikel Arteta of protecting because of the players that we've put around him. And I think when you've got that level of protection and you compose a midfield in a way that brings the best out of your skilled intelligent footballers, then it's great to have them in the team. But there have been times in the past, not so much under Mikel Arteta, because I think year on year, we've got better and better at dealing with transitions and counterattacks and all that stuff. But I think over the course of time, you know, you, you've seen Arsenal evolve to a point where they're much better at dealing with those situations. And it's not necessarily because, um, you know, the players have always changed. Now, of course, over the years under Arteta, we've got a completely different team now to what we had. But a lot of it was to do with just some of the spaces that we were protecting. I thought we became better at defending against counterattacks from the day Mikel Arteta came in, even with the same players, because I think he recognised, probably because he played that position for Arsenal quite a bit. 
and struggled and was called out about it. I think he kind of looks at it and goes, yeah, okay, that player might not be the perfect build and the perfect guy for that area. But if I have to go with him, then the least I can do is find ways of protecting him using other players and making sure that my system does that for me as well, to a degree, to a point. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Tom says, to play devil's advocate, Lareal have a lot of injuries, no? They probably do. Um, I'm not... Don't don't get me wrong. I, I wasn't watching Real Sociedad last night and thinking the fact that you are losing this game and are going to lose this game is on Martin Zubimendi. That, that, that never crossed my mind. For me, it was more about looking at that player as an individual. And, and that's why I said at the start of this segment that I don't want to go too big on it because, you know, you you can't make those judgments based on one, two, three, four games. You need to watch the guy consistently. And I'm going to make an effort to do that now. But I just saw a few things, a few causes for concern, shall we say, with regards to his suitability to not just Arsenal, by the way, but to the Premier League in general. Lots of chat about Fofana as well in the comments. Um, and, and maybe we'll do a show where we look into him in a bit more detail. I've seen uh, Frankie de Jong mentioned as well, obviously, that that's kind of come to life because there were some comments during the rounds um, recently where Frankie de Jong said that he's always had a thing for Arsenal and he'd quite like to play for them one day. Again, superb technician, super comfortable on the ball orchestrate a string puller, if you like, from deep. But I'd have the same concerns over him as well. And I just don't think in the Premier League anymore, if you want to be at the really top level, you can play with a deep-lying player that doesn't have a certain level of physical supremacy. So, like, Rice is great. Partey can do it when fit. Rodri can do it. But then you talk to Liverpool fans who will tell you that most of the time he's pretty good. But every now and again, for example, where Alexis McAllister has been playing in that role at times, he has struggled. And he struggled not because he's not a good footballer, not because he's not a good technician, not because he's not capable of taking the ball off the back four, turning and starting moves. But because physically, he isn't a Fabinho. He isn't that beast that can eat up the ground around him. It, it, it's it's hard to explain without it coming across as though I'm only looking at the physical attributes here. I just think in this particular debate, they're massive. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's such a big deal to me. But anyway, anyway, um, let's uh, see what you guys are saying in the chat. Uh, what else have we got? Lots of you. Talking about De Jong, he's on 700k a week, according to Los Sol. I don't know about that. That's mental money. And you know that Arsenal um, aren't going to aren't gonna pay that. Uh, Moss says, yeah, McAllister's been better when Liverpool play Endo. Yeah, exactly. Because Endo is a more defensive-minded midfield player. And I think what we're trying to do sometimes is because of this, like, modern way of football where we're, we're quite big and, and quite keen to see 
to see our teams play out from the back, it's it's quite easy to fall into the trap of looking at someone and going, you're a really good technician. I'm just going to pop you there without thinking about what happens when your style of football invites presses and when those turnovers happen, how press resistant is your player, not just in terms of skill and ability and intelligence, how press resistant is he in terms of being able to hold off a challenge, using his body in the right way. All of these things come into it as well. Um, they really, really do. Um, let's have a look. Jean says, uh, you have defensive concerns over a guy that played central defender for almost half of his career pre-Barcelona. You're talking about De Jong. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do have defensive concerns about De Jong because I... You put De Jong as a centre-half in the Premier League, he'd get eaten up tomorrow. He really would. Um, he's great on the ball, and he'd pass the ball out a lot of the time successfully and do it really, really well. But put him in a penalty area, defending a set-piece against Taiwo Awani and see what happens to him. He'd get eaten up. Like, And this is where like being a great technical footballer is massive, and to me, it's the thing I appreciate most when I watch football. But we really, really do need to be realistic about the differences between La Liga and the Premier League, between Serie A and the Premier League, and between various other competitions in the Premier League too. Skywalker says, if Mbappe, because it's been announced today that Kylian, well, it's been said today that Kylian Mbappe has notified Al-Khalifi at PSG that he wants to go. Um, that he will be going, in fact, in the summer when his contract runs out. Do you think that Real Madrid, Skywalker asks, would sell on any of their French midfielders? I hope so, because I'd take Camavinga or Chiumeni, um in a heartbeat. I think they're both wonderful, wonderful players. Um, I, I don't think Real Madrid need to sell anyone, anyone really. You know, it's Real Madrid at the end of the day, and this Kylian Mbappe thing, it's kind of worked out perfectly for them in the end because they're going to get him on a free transfer. Okay, they're going to pay a signing on fee, which is going to be substantial. It's not going to be the 150, 200 odd million quid that PSG probably would have demanded had he still had time to run on his uh, on his contract. So I don't think Real Madrid are going to be in a position where they're forced to sell. But if either of those two were to become available, I would definitely, definitely, definitely be interested. Um, in them. Afsar highlights Onana, um, Everton's Onana. He says he will fit in well at Arsenal as the number six, strong and very physical. See, where we were talking about Zubimendi and De Jong, I think Onana is at the other end of the spectrum in that he's got everything that you'd want in that player physically, but I don't think he's got what you need technically. And, and that's why these players are so hard to come by. That's why there's only three or four of them in world football. And I mean that when I say that. Players that are as technically sound as they are physically strong. You don't get that very often. That's why Rodri is such an outlier, because his technical level is leagues above any other DM that I can think of. But physically, he's an absolute unit and powerhouse as well. That's why Rodri is better than Rice, in my opinion, currently, because Rodri has both sides of those games down to a, both sides of the game, sorry, down to a T. Whereas Rice is slightly better physically than he is technically. Now, I'm not saying he's bad technically, but he isn't a line breaker with his passes. We've talked about that before. He isn't going to 
put the ball through the eye of a needle. He might pick up the ball and drive at someone using his power and take on players and all the rest of it. But Onana is at one end of the spectrum in terms of being really super physical, but not that good technically, in my humble opinion. And then you've got Zubimendi, who's at an incredibly high technical level, but physically is probably lacking. So that's where um, I say that they're they're quite different. Paul Nell says, Harry, remember when we were drooling about Upa Meccano? Our two centre-backs together cost less and are better. Funny the way things turn out. Yeah, because we're all armchair managers, mate. Um, that's how it goes. I've, I've seen it so many times. I remember when we were all on here discussing Emi Buendia and what an amazing signing he would be. And I remember getting absolutely hammered for saying that it, we'd be better off signing Odegaard on a permanent than getting Buendia that summer. Everybody laughed at me. And now Martin Odegaard's the Arsenal captain and he's probably our best player. So, yeah, it is it is funny how things work out. You're absolutely spot on. Bang on with that. Look, we are going to wrap up the show there. Um, I'm going to leave it there. It is a late one tonight. I am absolutely knackered. I've, uh, yeah, I've I've had a tough week. Um, not not work-wise, nothing, nothing's wrong or anything like that. It's just been one of those weeks where, we've had some stuff going on and and as a result of that all of our plans have just been completely messed up to the point where I'm like at the moment not able to be in the routine that I want to be in I'm kind of like dropping this kid off picking up that kid dropping the wife off coming back home doing a bit of work then having to go back out and pick one kid up then having to go back out and pick up the second kid then having to go pick up the wife all while trying to travel to and from work in between and in the meantime. And I'm having to cram sort of, you know, a day's work in all the in-between gaps. And I'm ending up sitting at the laptop until 8, 9 p.m., sometimes 10 p.m. And I'm just knackered. So I am going to leave it there. I'm going to go sit on the couch. I'm going to have a glass of wine and I'm going to watch a bit of Europa League football. Um, But thank you, as always, for tuning in. It is very, very much appreciated, as always. Let me know your thoughts on Martin Zubimendi in the comments. I'm interested to hear you guys' take on him, whether he'd be a good fit for Arsenal um, as uh, as the summer approaches. Don't know that we're going to sign him, but it's certainly a rumour and a story that isn't going away. Just not sure he's the right man for us. I could still be convinced, but right now... Hmm. I'm on the fence. Don't forget to leave a like on the video. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're brand new. It really, really does help. Um, If you wouldn't mind, um, leave us... Did I say leave us a review? I'm so tired. I'm just slurring my words. I'm just going to leave you to it. Have a great night, everybody. Um, Happy Friday to those of you joining us on Friday. And the next episode will be our Burnley preview. How will Arsenal fare? at Turf Moor. We'll do all of that on the next edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Until then, take care of yourselves, guys. Goodbye.